two readings, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, if we can have the Old Testament reading now. The first reading is Genesis 11, verses 1 to 9, and that's on page 12. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The second reading is Acts 2, verses 1 to 21, uh, and that's on page 1093. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. 
Lord, help us to look again at this familiar passage and uh, learn of you. As Andrew prayed right at the start, give us obedient hearts to follow your prompting and your leading. Amen. I was talking just before the start to uh, Dennis, and uh, I said I had a thought uh, that came to me about starting differently to the script, if you like, how I thought it was going to go, and, and uh, he said, well, go with it. Um, because I wanted to give you some background as to what Pentecost is and what it was to the Jewish people who were gathered in Jerusalem that day. And then I want us to almost imagine ourselves again in that upper room as if uh, it was us and, and learn that way. But something happened to me when I was a teenager, quite late in my teens. Um, my dad was quite active in the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. He, he was the one, well, was one of the people who was responsible for bringing that movement over to Ireland. Uh, and uh, so he was in at the start of it, if, if you like. And so um, I got to go to a lot of the meetings and meet a lot of the sort of speakers and people like that that, that influenced me. But in one of the meetings, um, and I had received a, a gift of uh, speaking in tongues through a baptism in, in the Holy Spirit when I was younger, uh, like 14 or something like that. I, I'm not going to go into that in great detail, but just flag it up. So... Um, well, I was in this meeting, and um, it was a worship time, and uh, I can't remember an awful lot about it, but my heart started beating uh, like a hundred mile an hour, and um, I felt like this element of an of a electric kettle welling up within me, and um, I just thought, I can't keep this in. I, you know, I, I just thought, I'm, I'm going to have to say something, and I, I thought I was going to maybe shout the word hallelujah and see what happened, uh, and, and I was... I was at the back, pretty much the back row, and, and I thought, this is, this is not going to go well. Um, and um, I, I just felt I couldn't sit on this, this feeling. Uh, and uh, as I spoke out, uh, I, I didn't intend necessarily to speak in tongues, because I didn't, it wasn't that, that kind of meeting which was in, inviting it, even though it, it was a part of, of their theology. And as I spoke, this eruption of tongues came forth, and um, and I, I just couldn't stop myself for for a while. I don't know how long it was, and um, I, I just was felt I was released, and um, and I didn't really know why I had been overcome like that. I didn't know what the purpose was. I was desperately hoping that someone's going to interpret that the, the, the end of the troubles in Northern Ireland were coming because this young, <laughs> this young man has just done that. Uh, that. That was my sort of feeling is let's just wait and see what the prophetic word is that comes from it. Um, and then uh, the, uh, one of the speakers, a chap called the Reverend David McKee, a Presbyterian minister, says... Um, and he'd just come back from being a missionary in, in India, and he, uh, he said, this young man has just been praising the Lord in the language in the, of a tribal language in a, of a village in India. Uh, and he said it, 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 the words were overflowing praise, uh, glorifying God, uh, and exalting him. 
And people seem to be blessed. I was disappointed. I was waiting for the, that, that this was going to be the end of the troubles. Um, so in a kind of, because the outburst was so heavy on me, I expected more than that, believe it or not. Um, but if I don't get anything across here this morning to do with this passage, I want you to know that what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon these people was an overflow. It, it, they couldn't hold it in. The, when it said they spoke in tongues, uh, it, it, they were given a language, a language they hadn't learned. Uh, and it says in the scriptures that each person in Jerusalem that day, and there was up to maybe 100, 120,000 people in Jerusalem that day, uh, that, that people heard the message of Jesus, the good news, in their own language because these people were speaking out as the Spirit gave them utterance. Languages they'd never learned. I hadn't learned that language of that tribe in India. I'm not sure if I could replicate it here for you right now. But um, it's that happened to me, and it, it made me think, if there's anything that we need to get across from seeking the Lord through this, is not to hold back of the overflow because to be filled with the Holy Spirit isn't to be brimming to the top, it's to be overflowing. And that's what will happen is you will splash over, you will, you will affect and influence those people around you, your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors. Wherever the Lord has placed you, your overflow will affect those around you as you allow him to sort of feed that element, uh, that, that electric element that seems to be within us when the Holy Spirit comes. And the big, the big question which we have to start with, uh, which some churches uh, labor over, is was this a significant day in the church calendar? Or this, is this a day for today? So Pentecost is one of the three big festivals in the church calendar. It's big in the Jewish calendar as well, but it's one of the three big ones. It's, it's Easter, it's Christmas, it's Pentecost. Those are the three big ones. You can mention Advent if you like, but the, the three big ones, Pentecost is one of them. And uh, Jesus had ascended on high ten days before, uh, and then came, they were told to go and wait in that uh, upper room. I'm not sure if it was the same upper room, but they were told to go and wait in that upper room. There was about uh, 120 uh, people in that upper room, it says, uh, and they were waiting. Uh, they were perhaps lying low. Perhaps they were fearful uh, of what could happen. Fifty days before that, uh, they, they're, they're, Christ the Lord had been taken and the crowd had turned against him in a similar festival, Pen uh, Passover. Uh, the crowd had turned against him and on the Friday, uh, he was crucified at Passover, and on the Sunday, he rose again. Fifty days later, we have Pentecost. Remember that number 50, because I think uh, it, it is something which shows us uh, the almighty, omnipotent God who can control time from eternity in a way that we don't even understand. Uh, so, that's that's where they are. They're, they're cowering, if you like, fearful maybe. Uh, but they're praying. They're breaking bed. They're holding uh, meetings. Uh, they're, they're having elections. They maybe even got a PCC going uh, in, in this uh, 
in this, this church in Acts chapter 1. It says they were electing another member. Matthias was elected at the same time to make the disciples up to 12. So they were having those kind of organizational meetings. Uh, but they were inward facing. They were looking at themselves. They were wondering what's next. And they were quite uh, fearful, it seems. And today uh, we ask again, do we stay behind closed doors uh, as an Acts chapter 1 type of fellowship, or do we become um, an outward-looking church that serves and allows the Holy Spirit to flow through us to be an Acts chapter 2 church? So as I said, um, I'll give you a little bit of background. Jerusalem was heaving on that day. It was, the background to this was that Pentecost was a big festival. Uh, and I told you to remember the number... 50. Uh, so 50 days uh, after the, the children of Israel escaped by exodus from uh, Israel, uh, and, and that was, they escaped after their Passover, which of course was when uh, an unblemished lamb was slain, uh, and uh, that, that lamb that was slain protected them uh, from uh, well, let's just simplify it and say from the, the last of the plagues that was uh, befallen the, the Egyptians. So they were protected, uh, and that was the Passover. Fifty days after that Passover, the Lord gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Fifty days. Uh, and they celebrated that at what they then called a festival of weeks, or Shavuot, uh, and, and that was their festival, which was like a harvest, but they uh, celebrated the giving of the law. Now, jump into, um, jump into the uh, New Testament and the passage that I've just uh, mentioned to you, that um, the Holy Spirit, uh, or the, the people had been told to go and wait, and I think that was in uh, Luke. 24, I can't find it. Uh, Luke 24, towards the end, they were told to go and wait. And so that's where they were. But what day are they waiting? Let's remind ourselves that, as I've said, the crucifixion was at their Passover. Fifty days after the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist called him. Fifty days after the Lamb of God came, they were told to go and wait. And 50 days later, we have Pentecost. Pente, a Greek word for 50. Does, does that sound to you like a coincidence that, that it just happened? Could it not have happened two days after the ascension, which was 10 days before? Why could it not have been uh, 42 days after the Passover, I wondered? Is it just a coincidence that God, who I believe is a, a God of numbers, I think there's a pattern of numbers that we, we some people believe there is to be discovered in, in, in the Hebrew Scriptures. God, with pinpoint accuracy, from eternity controlling time, sent his promised Holy Spirit upon the people at that day. And the world has never been the same again because of that outpouring. So that's what 
Pentecost, that's what Shavuot or, uh, it means to the Jewish people that were in celebrating that festival at that time. As I said, Jerusalem was very busy uh, with people at that time. So let's look again uh, at Pentecost. And I said right at the start, imagine yourselves there. Imagine somehow this is an upper room. Uh, I know you're going to have to use your imagination there. But um, imagine this is an upper room and see if we can learn afresh uh, from this miraculous happening called Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And I want to latch on to three verbs that are given in the first three verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. The first verb is that they heard. The second verb is that they saw. And the third verb in Acts 4 is that they spoke. So, just to no PowerPoint presentation here today, just three words that I want you to hold on to. Uh, they heard, they saw, they spoke. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it says, They heard a sound, King James Version, like a rushing mighty wind. They heard a sound like a rushing mighty wind. The sound filled the whole house, it says. The Hebrew word for this sound is uh, ruach. It's, if you have any English scholars here, it's onomatopoeic. It's meant to be. It's, it's meant to sound like it describes. It's that, that sound that, that filled the whole room. And it says it was like a violent storm in the version that we've had read to us. It doesn't say uh, there was a violent storm, the hair wasn't all over the place. It says it was a sound like a violent wind. Ruach. Now that's also the same word that we had when God created Adam in Genesis chapter 2. When God created a listless body and God breathed his life, Ruach, God breathed Ruach into that creation and a human being was formed, living on the breath of God. That's that same Ruach that filled the room on that day in Acts chapter 2. I believe the disciples in particular who'd been with Jesus for three years, the disciples in particular would have associated that mighty, mighty wind sound with, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. We didn't know what we're waiting for, but fasten your seatbelts. This is it. And I believe they would have associated that with, with the word that they would have known, ruach. Our Greeks people would, would know it as pneuma. Pneuma, where we get the word for the air and pneumatic tires and stuff like that. So it's a, either Greek or, or, or Hebrew would have been familiar. This Acts chapter 2 group of lifeless people, a body of people in that upper room, Praying, yes. Breaking bread, yes. Carring. Listless. The Holy Spirit breathed Ruach upon them and they became full. A body there to glorify God. It was no longer an organization of people because they heard this sound like the Ruach, like a, a mighty wind. 
that gave that body the ability to go out and minister for him in their locality and uh, Judea and the ends of the world. The church is not meant to be a group of people, a body of people that are barely alive behind closed doors. We're meant to be an outward-looking people that are inviting the Holy Spirit once again to turn us outward-looking and ministering and hearing the needs of the people around us and serving them both with the gospel and their needs. So that was the first verb they heard. The second one was? They saw. The second one was they saw in verse 3. Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, we don't often think of that as a visual thing. I think when we imagine what really happened that day, we, we, we believe it, but we don't actually think of it as visual. Almost like if I'm sitting here and, and I, I see uh, a, a flame coming, like flames normally come up, don't they? But flames coming down. And that flame that's working its way around there then becomes, it says, it, it, it separated and came and rest. They saw it. It says they saw it. It came to rest on each one. It didn't rest uh, on the, the wardens and the music group and the preacher. It came to rest on each one. It separated and came. They saw it. And the amazing thing about this fire is that it didn't burn out. And it, it didn't burn them up. It didn't consume them. Does that remind you of anything else? What, what does that remind us of? The burning bush. Moses and the burning bush. When I was a, a young lad in, in a hoary Presbyterian church growing up, uh, the back window of the church, the stained glass window at the back, it said, Arden's said Verens. And the burning bush was there before me every week. And the, the choir were, was in front of me. And I used to look at the choir girls and think, I wonder if I could get off with her and her. And uh, <laughs> there was some carnal stuff going on. Uh, but there in the background was this window. Arden's said Verens. And I always learned that and thought, what does that mean? It means burning but flourishing. Latin. Burning but flourishing. And just as, and we've seen it maybe in our children's uh, Bible storybooks, the, the story of the burning bush, and we think of it just as that, but it really happened. He really saw that. And uh, Moses, uh, after taking his feet up and, and, and standing on the holy ground, heard a voice which, is, which said to him, I am Yahweh. I have heard the cries of the people the needy cries of my people. I've got a job for you, Moses. That was God's way of saying it. I've got a job for you. And just as that Holy Spirit came upon Moses and sent him back, he was in the back of the desert. I think it actually says the back of the desert in, in the Scriptures. He was nowhere. He was just uh, believing. And he, he, was, he felt he'd blown his... 
his chances, Moses. Uh, If you know the story, you know what I mean. But he felt he'd blown it. And he got a second chance. And he was sent back and became one of the great patriarchs uh, of our faith and, and the Jewish faith. And what happened there was the, the, the bushes he looked at it was burning but not consumed. And that's a picture of, well, it is not just a picture. It is a truth that our Almighty God does not need any fuel from us to burn. He is all-sufficient. He is almighty, omnipotent, uh, uh, omniscient, whatever omni you want to put on it. That, that is our almighty God. He does not need us to fuel his flame. And he does not burn out. And that's the message of Pentecost. And there in Acts chapter 2, at the time of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, uh, something similar happened. They noticed this fire. They saw it. And it, it wasn't burning up and it wasn't burning them. But it was making them flourish. Ardens said verens. You didn't think you were going to learn Latin here today, did you? So it didn't consume them. Now there's another thing uh, which happened was that they spoke. They spoke. They saw flames that separated and fell on the 120 believers. All of them. There isn't a person in this room who God does not have a purpose for. There's not one person here who God has not got a plan for. All of us. And then it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they spoke, they heard, they saw, they spoke in other tongues. And I would prefer it if it said other languages because it, it, tongues has got a bit of bad press in the church these days. It shouldn't have. Um, it might not necessarily be a language that is of a tribe in India because it's also given to edify yourself and in your own personal worship. So I'm not trying to, to debate that. Um, but they spoke in languages as the Spirit gave them utter utterance. Galileans, it says in the Scriptures. People who never learned these languages were speaking languages that the people who'd come from all over, 120,000 people come to this festival. People were hearing the message of Jesus in their own language because these people spoke. They spoke in other languages. And you may not think of the link, you were very quick on the Moses one there, but you may not think of this other link to an other Old Testament story as an echo to this passage. Anybody want to shout it out? What's the echo to this passage uh, of sending the Holy Spirit and giving the people many languages? Genesis, actually. But it's the... it's. I'm thinking of the passage that we had read, the Tower of Babel. The story that we had read at the start, where the Holy Spirit came upon them, which you thought, you think, well, that's just a blessing. But in this case, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and it was a curse. It was a curse upon those people at Babel, which then formed Babylon. 
and became known as the godless center of the world and became a kind of a picture of uh, godlessness in society. And that's where we are even here today. And Babylon was a bunch of people who sought a unity that sounded so good and so right. It sounded so peaceful and loving. It was a unity that you couldn't really argue with. But it says in the scriptures that they sought to glorify themselves and to make a name for themselves. And God, Almighty God said, I can't have that. That is not how I want man and woman to be. Man's chief end, this is a Presbyterian Westminster Confession as well, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Many of you know that. To glorify God and enjoy him, not to glorify himself. So the people at the Tower of Babel building this great tower which was going to reach the heavens and people were going to see it from miles. What did the Holy Spirit do? It came upon them and gave them all a different language so they couldn't understand each other. Now that sounds like a comedy. You know, just what happened there? They couldn't communicate. And I imagine they, they, they went off and they scattered and they formed their own groups based on the language with, which they were stuck with. So the reversal of that happened at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the people were gathered in one room and through many languages coming upon those people in that 120 people gathering it brought the message out to that 120,000 people and through many languages they became one body whereas in the society, a godless society, many languages sent them and scattered them. The Holy Spirit coming upon them at Pentecost brought them into one body, one people, many languages, the worldwide church, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's what was going on there. Man's desire to glorify himself would not be tolerated at that time. Now it's interesting there that um, the, the purpose of that group sounded very reasonable. And you would think, well, sir, Jesus came to bring peace. But let me remind you uh, that he talked about a peace that the world can't give. He also said in Luke 12, verse 51, Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, division. Derek Kidner, who writes on uh, Genesis a lot, a, a, a theologian, said, it's, Division is better than collective apostasy. Division is better than collective apostasy. There's a, there's a danger within the church at the minute that we're trying to find a lowest common denominator which is called peace or love is all you need. And, and that is, is a common denominator which can be apostasy. Division is better than collective apostasy. 
as the godless society of that day sought to glorify themselves, God caused something which was tongues which divided them. In contrast, on Pentecost, he sent a blessing which was the tongues that brought the people into one body, one group. But what does that have to do with us here and now? Here we are in Newport. What does that have to do with us here and now? It's a great story. I think it's got everything to do with us. Here today, we worship the same God. Um, this is not an event that happened just 2,000 years ago, though that is true. This is something which is an outpouring which is for today. How do we apply what God did back then with Moses, what God did to scatter those people, what God did as he breathed upon Adam to our situation here and now, me in Newport? God wants to ruach, wants to breathe his life into you. An outpouring, as I said at first, I couldn't hold myself back when I told that story about what happened to me. God wants uh, to breathe that ruach, his breath afresh on us so that we're not functioning just as an organization with, with meetings and mention it again, PCCs and, and all those uh, reorderings and things which sound plausible, but maybe it sounds more like closed doors than open doors to me. God's desire is that his fire would come upon us. His fire would come uh, and fall and rest on each one of us and others that we then go out and reach. The question which we must ask ourselves is not to point the finger at what's going on out there, but ask ourselves, are we going to be an Acts chapter 1 church or an Acts chapter 2 church? That's a good picture for us to ask. Are we going to be a church who's happy with prayer and breaking bread and meetings and and, uh, organization Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, to outpour upon us, to fill us, to overflowing, so that we can't hold ourselves back? The Christian community that came after that outflowing became a generous community, generous in their giving and their time and in the way they served. They became a community that was one group, one Christian faith. They were a worshipping group, uh, worshipping Jesus Christ as Lord. They learned then from St. Paul about, about grace and the, how, how fantastic it was what Jesus had done for us and that there's nothing, not one single thing that we can do to earn our salvation, that it's all about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that young church maybe didn't even understand the fullness of that at that point in time in Pentecost. But they took it out and they invited people to receive the Holy Spirit. I was reading uh, something David Pawson uh, was writing just in preparation for this. And he he said, very rarely after uh, the the day of Pentecost were people invited to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And, And I thought, well, that can't be right. 
He said, more often than not, after this day, when people received Christ, they were asked to receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Scripture teaches us that that is His Comforter. Christ said He would send His Comforter upon us. So, when we ask that question of us here today, are you an Acts chapter 1 type of fellowship? Are you an Acts chapter 1 type of person? Or if you haven't even got that far and you haven't made a decision for Christ yourself, then maybe you're being challenged by this. Maybe you can open your heart today and receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe even without knowing an awful lot of the formula that we try and paint around it, but just to know that He needs to be your Lord and Savior and He will transform your life. That's Acts chapter 0, or Acts chapter 1, whatever way you want to look at it. Or are we going to be an Acts chapter 2 fellowship where the outpouring came and they were sent out? 3,000 people became Christians that day. As they went out, I mean, that's the sort of result I would like. 3,000 people became Christians that day. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not glorifying man. That's the type of fellowship we want to be here. I believe it. And if you feel rather somehow burdened by this and think, do you know, everybody around me are Acts chapter 2, but I'm sort of Acts 1. You know, maybe you're just being honest with yourself and think, that fire's falling and it's resting on everybody else, but it's not on me. Then maybe the challenge for you is to invite the Holy Spirit to fall as we worship, as we pray, or even as you maybe want to talk afterwards. That can happen. You don't need to be burdened by that because the Pentecost is probably one of the best times of the year to to seek it in that way. I believe there's the fire for all of us. Let's seek it. Whether you believe it now when you walk through that door or not, you can receive the Holy Spirit and make Jesus Christ your Lord. It will transform your life forever. We sang uh, the hymn uh, by Bessie Head when we started. Belfast woman, so you thought I might get a bit of Northern Ireland in there. I'll read the first verse to you again. It's a, it's a prayer for us, and then we'll conclude. O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. O Lord, may it be for this fellowship here that they are fit for this hour this time, for whatever you have for us to do, Lord, as individuals and as one body, open those doors so that we see the needs around us, we see the mission field that's around us, and that we may serve you where you have planted us. We ask it in your precious name. Amen.